0: Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Well, hey guys, welcome to episode seven. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Dr. Ariel Fernandez. He and I met about five years ago, initially when we were working in a post-acute care setting together, and we've stayed connected ever since. So I'm really excited to welcome him to the podcast and allow you the opportunity to kind of get his perspective and his experience in the healthcare industry and how we both feel like there's an opportunity for both the healthcare industry and the coaching industry to really make an impact when it comes to the well-being and health of people. And I hope that we can give you some valuable information and advice today and maybe break down some areas that you feel like are difficult to understand, or maybe you have a hard time understanding the impact around some of these lifestyle and behavior changes that we're going to get into today. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Fernandez. uh, Go ahead. Maybe just uh, give the audience a little bit of a background on you and how you got started in the medical field, some of your past experience, and what you're doing now.
1: Hi, Danielle. How are you? Thanks uh, for inviting me uh, on your podcast. I've been uh, looking forward to it, to uh, share some of my insights and our collaboration on uh, some of the ideas that we could share with your audience um basically uh, started off uh wanting to be a doctor since i was probably the age of two told everybody i wanted to open up people and look inside Although i'm not a surgeon um you know honestly uh that's all i've ever wanted to be i can't see myself doing anything else uh, i have this saying i tell people i would do it for free and i honestly would if i didn't have uh Student, uh, student loans, which thankfully are gone yeah, now. It... I used to have them. Now, as of <laughs> six months know. ago, I don't have them anymore. But, um, uh, <laughs> you know, if I didn't have to pay off student loans, uh, I would probably do it for free because I, I just love what I do. I'm, I'm a lifer. I probably won't retire anytime soon uh, or even when it's time to retire. I probably won't retire from medicine. Uh, I've been practicing uh, medicine now in total for about 16 years uh, trained at uh, in South Florida, uh, Cleveland Clinic. Also, some in Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, did my internal medicine uh, residency, and then uh, did, did some post-residency training in hospital medicine. Uh, did approximately 13 uh, years of uh, hospital medicine, so I've seen a lot of, unfortunately, acute conditions. Some of them uh, due to some of the things we're going to discuss today, including some comorbidities or pre-existing conditions that might be avoidable. Uh, and also some critical care work. Uh, I've worked in uh, multiple hospitals, some very large uh, academic centers, as well as some extremely rural uh, settings, including some in Minnesota, Indiana, uh, northern Florida, and currently working in Iowa, a very rural area, Montgomery County, a very small hospital, about 32 beds. I am uh, the sole physician there, have a surgeon that comes in a couple times a week, has a cardiologist, comes in once a week, so uh, I'm kind of it, love it. Uh, The uh, the environment is uh, very conducive to practicing medicine uh, the old school way. I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, but I really like the rural setting and the, and the environment and the and the population of, of the, the nice folks in the, the southwestern Iowa area.
0: I love that so much. And I actually didn't even realize that we had a lot in common because we were talking before we started the episode. And my husband and I are originally from the Illinois area, a very large city in Illinois, Northern Illinois. And that's where we started out. Like I started at the large, you know, tertiary care facility, worked in neuro um, and then ended up moving to a really rural place where I was like a fish out of water. And it was like, wow, you know, oh, call respiratory. Somebody needs to be tubed. And they're like, no, you're respiratory. <laughs> Things like that, you know. And uh, I think you learn a lot in different ways from both of those settings.
1: Yeah, I also uh, recently have had, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say, I know you had some personal anecdote that you wanted to talk about too, that kind of relates to this topic as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, it actually goes into some of my future endeavors that I'm working on currently, including uh, some uh, integrative uh, medicine How with some uh, previous colleagues of mine. We're trying to start a more personalized form of medicine. Hopefully, we'll be uh, ramping that up and starting at uh, July 1st. Uh, but I've had uh, pretty significant health here in the last uh, nine months or so, uh, where I was pretty critically ill, uh, requiring medications to keep me alive basically, ICU care, critical care, um, intensive care uh, needs, uh, multiple transfusions, intubations, which uh, assisted in breathing. Um, so that was pretty scary. So, uh, really, it, it, uh, this kind of topic in the sense of prevention of medicine hits home. Uh, just because my own okay. journey uh, I've lost uh, some weight I was uh, feeling kind of down and run down and many of the things that you've discussed in your podcast as well in some of your uh, social media information then um, I really decided I need to make a lifestyle change and lost uh, about 50 pounds in the last two to three years and uh, you know the physicians that took care of me which are mainly friends of mine down in South Florida uh, have uh, told me that if it wouldn't have been for that change and Morbidities that I might have had, if not the lifestyle change, overall, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So, uh, it, it touches home to me what we're going to be discussing today.
0: I think you really hit the nail on the head. There is like, it's it's really ultimately lifestyle change. It's the behavior. You know, people come to us with more of a immediate need or what they think in their mind is an immediate need, but ultimately we have like years and years of habits, behaviors, choices that have probably influenced where they're at right now. For Absolutely. sure. So from your perspective and your experience, what are some of the more common preventable health conditions that you see in practice um, that maybe relate to lifestyle and behavior choices? You know,
1: a lot of it intertwines because uh, a lot of the physical also uh, Coexist with mental health especially these days with the world we live in a lot of our choices and our habits physically uh, nutritionally uh, physically exercise wise do not only impact our physical being but also our mental being so I think they both go in hand in hand here but some of them uh, that are just throwing it out there obesity obviously is a large uh, we just went through a, a large pandemic and still somewhat are going through it but Obesity, I think, has been a pandemic for the past decade, if not two decades, and I I was stricken by that, and it's still a fight that I have to struggle with every day, if not for the habit changes. Uh, Diabetes is obviously a a large issue, not only when it comes to sugar, which is what most people think, but also affects cardiovascular health, kidney function, brain health, uh, circulation. A lot of people with, unfortunately, uncontrolled diabetes because of lifestyle changes or, or lack thereof. Uh, requiring amputations, requiring uh, severe surgeries, and really their uh, their overall lifespan decreases significantly. Blood pressure, obviously, is a big one when it comes to lifestyle. Uh, anxiety, depression, uh, overall mental health, uh, kidney problems, strokes, and probably the biggest one uh, that we all deal with on a regular basis in the hospital and in the clinical setting is cardiovascular health when it comes to heart attacks, myocardial infarctions, Heart failure, or fluid in your lungs, uh, and other uh, cardiac diseases.
0: Definitely. And I think that people don't necessarily see that. Like, that's our job as professionals is to really help them to understand the why behind, you know, their decisions and their choices and why making just these small adjustments really can impact the quality of their life long term. You know, it's not just three months of coaching or six months of coaching to lose weight or to look different. It's ultimately, how do we prevent these chronic conditions or at least maybe try to delay you know, one that.
1: thing that you're very good at, and, and I think as physicians, healthcare workers, uh, coaches in the, in the health field, uh, you know, we're educators. At the end of the day, uh, you know, I tell people, I don't know how to fix your car, but at least I know how to try to fix your body here. Uh, so we try to teach them how to do that. And I think that, uh, you know, what we do in the hospital, in the clinical setting, even in the coaching setting, we're only around for 10%, 50% of of their weekly uh, interaction or monthly interaction, if we're lucky. Sometimes you don't see your physician for three to four months. Uh, So that time of education gives them at least the seed in order for them to water that plant at home and implement these things that we teach them.
0: Definitely. I completely agree. And I think that's that's something that we'll maybe get into later in the episode is really just, you know, I think from my experience being in both of the industries thus far, healthcare is designed in a way that really ultimately the structure and the care delivery model is driven from reimbursement and regulations. And so ideally it would be really great if patients would come and see us You know, every week, and we could talk to them about, like, how are things going? How are you doing with getting on that exercise plan? Or, like, how are you doing with eating more fruits and vegetables? But in reality, it's not, you know? So that's kind of where the coaching piece comes in. But then one of the limiting factors with that is that there is no regulation and there is no reimbursement. And so then that prevents the reach that our industry coaching, which is where I'm primarily based now, can really make an impact because pretty much the people that can just afford, you know, the resource. And that's, it's unfortunate.
1: It is very unfortunate. And I, I've seen it firsthand for many years and I know you have as well, That unfortunately that's, that's where we live. Uh, You know, we, we've tried to do as much preventative medicine as possible, but uh, that's not the world, how it's been designed to teach and to reinforce with these patients that we see every day.
0: Definitely. And kind of what I've, figured out along the way here over the last, you know, say year of being in the industry is really people, they need the knowledge and the why, and then they need the tools in order to actually do the thing. You know, you have to have both. So talking about like lifestyle and behavior change based upon the patients that you treat and the conditions that you see, when you do your assessments and you create your your plan of care for them, what do you often identify, or what are the trends that you usually see as far as like the lifestyle habits that might lead to these conditions?
1: Well, I like to call it uh, uh, the microwave age. You know, we live in this microwave generation where um, we want the most convenient and the fastest thing possible. Um, people, unfortunately, don't want to put in the work and i think it comes in with the education to be able to motivate these people uh, given the tools like you said and given the resources to be able to be successful you know that we live in a world of instantaneous gratification we have an iphone or or an ipad next to us and the internet and we can look up anything in the world in less than seconds but the human body uh still is 200 years behind it's not an instantaneous tool uh, so I think it's very important to give them these tools, um, you know, Preventive medicine obviously is very important. A nutritional plan, uh, frequent follow-ups to allow for that plan to take place and succeed. I think those are main keys, but basically remove that mindset uh, of the microwave age and instantaneous gratification that this is gonna take some work and coach them to get, to get that work.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, You talked about motivating, motivating people, and I definitely find that as well, that once they understand the why, it's really keeping that motivation in order for them to be consistent. And it's really the consistency is the secret sauce that people end up kind of like forgetting and they think that they need this like really high level strategy, but oftentimes they just need to be consistent with the basics first. What are your thoughts around that?
1: I agree. I think that, you know, we have to start off with small things, you know, it's baby steps, uh, simple diet planning. Uh, you know, I used to be, and I, I was guilty of it. what's the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know, what's well, I got tired three days later of this meal planning. So let me go get some fast food or a restaurant or something easier. Uh, once you see consistency in that, you know, from meal planning to an exercise regimen, to uh, weight training, uh, to changing your daily routine, I think we're a feature of habit. And I think that when routine is broken, uh, it's, a, it's a huge uh, monkey wrench in, in the gears of our life. Uh, I used to be a person that did not have routine. Uh, you know, I, I learned from a dear friend of mine that lists were very important, and keeping a routine is very important. Um, you know, it's something that has changed my life. And I know it's very important if you set a goal in order to keep that routine and that list and that, that motivation going.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I try to give those small wins and acknowledge the the small changes that I see. I think a fair amount of people end up in that all or nothing mentality. And it's like, well, if I can't do it a hundred percent, then it's not worth doing. And that's really where a lot of people end up getting stuck or they will stop because it's 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 an impossible goal. No one can do it 100% of the time. I like to use like the 80-20 rule because I feel like that's realistic. It's going to produce a, a positive outcome, but it also allows for some flexibility so that you can live your life and that it, this process can be enjoyable.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to mention since you were saying that is people's goals. People are very fixated on, whoops, and weight, And that they want that instantaneous gratification by looking at their scale every day, or looking in the mirror every day, or measuring themselves every day, instead of knowing that this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, lifestyle changes, health in general, is for longevity. Longevity means not two hours, but hopefully two, three decades. Uh, you know, the, the and, and I've been a victim of it, and a lot of patients are a victim of it. Well, I got on the scale every day, and it went up one pound, and I lost three and then, oh boy, I lost five. And then, oh, I gained 14 after I went on vacation, but I dieted in my vacation. Uh, it's something I hear constantly. And I constantly have to remind these patients, listen, the scale is not everything. We're, we're not necessarily changing your lifestyle and, and your regimen of, of your diet on a daily basis and your exercise regimen, just to look at a scale and to weigh less, but it's more of a health issue. Make sure your lifestyle, health range is improved.
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Completely agree with that. What do you feel like are some of the common barriers or maybe even like, I mean, I'll even go as far as saying excuses that you maybe hear from patients as far as like making lifestyle and behavior changes.
1: Uh, If I could uh, have a penny for every time I've heard it in almost 16, actually almost 17 years of practice now, it's time. Every, no, nobody really understands that it's, it is a sacrifice. It's it's the human body is the most complex machine on earth ever invented. Regardless if you are a believer in a higher power or not, it takes time, and you dedicate your time to make that machine work appropriately. And you know, there there's self care is a very important thing. You know, we we in medicine uh, our own. Uh, Terrible beings because we are horrific about taking care of ourselves. We want to take care of everybody else. We don't take care of ourselves until you learn that self-care is the number one thing. Until you learn how to take care of yourself and be happy with yourself, you can't take care of others and be happy with others. So I think time is the main thing. You must make time in order to take care of yourself. You know, people always say, well, I work 12-hour shifts or I work a 10-hour job and I'm on my feet all day walking. Well, that's routine. That's something you do every day. Your body's used to that. You need to do something out of the ordinary in order for your body to function appropriately and work appropriately and change your habits and lifestyles. So exercise and and diet are are part of that. You have to set aside time for yourself and and your self-health is very important.
0: I think what you said earlier about the microwave era is so important and it plays right into this time piece because I also see that. That's probably the the number one thing that I hear is, well, I'm so busy, I can't do that, or that's impossible. And the one thing that I have found that's been really helpful in getting around that, because like in their their mind, they know they need to make a change. But the gap to where they're at right now and where they want to be is going to require them to reprioritize their time. So I will often come back and say something like, I hear what you're saying as far as it being something that is going to take more time than maybe you feel like you have right now. Where is that coming up or why is that coming up for you? And help them to like dig into it for themselves because oftentimes it's very surface level. It's very surface level because that's just, that's the immediate reaction is like, well, I'm so busy. How would I ever have time to do that? And that's really just, the brain's way of saying like, I don't want to go there. I've never done that before. This is a new situation, keep me safe. And so that discomfort of like having to figure out like how could I actually change this is something that people will pull back from. And I feel like that's a a thing that us as coaches are a little bit um, sometimes narrowly focused on is, sure, we need to give them the knowledge and the tools But sometimes the knowledge and the tools don't matter if they can't make it up in their mind and change their mindset around the fact that this is possible. And I just need to figure out a way.
1: And and I agree. I think the hardest thing is that barrier of getting that motivation and that mental thought that, okay, you can't do this every day. It's hard. I, I, I struggle with it every day and I see people every day that struggle with it. It's hard to go into the cafeteria and decide, okay, you know, I'm not going to have the cheeseburger today. I'm going to have the salad. It's hard. I can tell you, man, because the cheeseburger tastes great. You know, I'm not going to lie about that. And whoever says that a cheeseburger isn't delicious, they're crazy, (laughs) Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you you need to set boundaries and you have to set yourself some goals and be mind over matter, you know, and that's very hard in medicine. It's very hard in, in the healthcare field to tell a patient mind over matter. Uh, because it's better, easier said than done, and and I'm, I've been guilty of it a thousand times over. So I understand.
0: Yeah, I think it's ultimately like what you said about goals and accountability. It's like you know you said your goal was, and now it's time to actually do the thing. Are you doing the thing or not? Like I can put together the greatest plan for you, but if you won't do it, then like it, it's not any good.
1: Correct, and and that's like that. It's if you take you know if you've gone. You know, ten steps forward and take three back. It's not the end of the world either. Uh, at the end of the day, like I said before, it's it's a long term goal for your health. It's not a it's not a, a three day thing. Uh, I, I you know I, I've encountered people that want uh, when I did some outpatient medicine that want uh, you know medication because there are some medications that are FDA approved for diet. We know that it's a proven thing. I can't hide that. Uh, but at the end of the day, those are in my opinion, those are quick fixes. Those are just a, a, a crutch to get to your end goal. At the end of the day, it's not going to fix things like a lifestyle change or, 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 a habit that you could have for the rest of your life.
0: Yep. I completely agree. And I think there's definitely a time and a place for that, you know, maybe as a, a short-term solution while they're embedding or changing lifestyle. Absolutely. But ultimately like you can't just take a pill. Absolutely.
1: And i I've, I've, I've prescribed those injections, those pills and, and, uh, you know, they are FDA approved, so I've given them and they have shown results, but at the end of the day, uh, it, it's a good way of, of getting started, but don't have the mentality that that's the fix-all.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It would be a starting place, but then like, what else are we doing? You know, what's the long-term management? So we've kind of talked about, you know, what are the common things um, that we see and what ultimately leads to these conditions? We've kind of unpacked, you know, what are the key motivators? what are some of the common barriers? Um, I'd like to maybe just talk a little bit about kind of like that gap. So the gap that I see, um, and I'd be interested to see if you have the same perspective is that, you know, patients, oftentimes, in my experience, they, they will come in uh, to a primary care setting. And before they come into primary care, um, they either have a life experience that results in them landing in primary care or they are in primary care and then something happens during that visit like maybe it's an annual checkup or something like that and that is the driver um, for a life change so it really could be before the event um, or before the visit to primary care and sometimes it's after Um, but we know that you know primary care it can only touch a patient for a short period of time, um, but it really ultimately is, you know, how are we working on improving improving their lifestyle and their quality of life outside of that setting, and how do you think that that might look, or how do you feel like those of us who try to help people on the day-to-day, the boots on the ground, if you will, um, how, do, how do you feel like that will influence long-term public health?
1: Well, I agree with you 100% that uh, you know patients are coming in and basically, if they were they're told their cholesterol is high and to try to lower it, uh, that's when kind of the spark starts. It's not a preventative idea or a lifelong treatment. It's basically, well, how can I fix it right now? Uh, so it definitely is a narrowed, skewed view of healthcare, and I think we've all been at fault for that. I think that how healthcare is today, uh, with unfortunately compensation, with uh, insurance issues, with the red tape that has occurred when you only have 10, 15 minutes to see a patient because, hey, the clock is ticking, and you have another four that are waiting, and, you know, as the numbers grow, you know, the average amount of patients that uh, an outpatient physician used to see was 8 to 10, maybe 12 a day. Now it's 15 to 18 at least. Some centers, 20 to 25. Um... So definitely it's not only the culture of the patient, but also it's our fault for what we've established as the new standard in healthcare. Uh, I think that the most important thing is integration healthcare in the sense of, yeah, we could have a primary care. Like I said before, uh, we only spend a very minute amount of time with the patient and delivering this education and I will keep repeating that word education. I really feel that like that's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And I think outside of the walls of of the clinic or the hospital, I think it's important that that continues with coaching like yourself, with mental health. Mental health, like I said, is a huge deal. And of course, your coaching and and lifestyle changes and quality of life improves when mental health improves. That's a known fact in multiple literature studies and multiple um, groups that have have tried to replicate these studies in different settings. um, From... Nutritional coaching to uh, coaching in the physical arts and sense of uh, weight training or cardiovascular training, uh, annual checkups or preventative medicine. That's a big deal. Uh, also, uh, allowing the patient uh, to be seen more frequently if the patient needs to be. Right now, that's a big hurdle. Uh, you know, insurances are kind of putting a, a cap on the amount of times it can be seen without having some sort of reimbursement. At the end of the day, most places and most hospitals and most clinical settings are, are in the red uh, because we want to see the patient more and, and try to give that health. Uh, so I think that's where the gap is, and I think that's where we have to kind of integrate every part of the patient's health to improve that quality of life, mental, physical, spiritual, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's the piece that's like that's missing out there. And kind of what we talked about at the beginning is, you know, those who can afford the service and are open to the service, then they receive the service. But right now, the way that it's set up, it's just, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people who really could benefit from it. And it's it's just, I would say like some of the progressive, you know, larger corporations, they are starting to embed it. Um, there's definitely more literature that's coming out about how the quality of care and the quality of the life for patients can be improved by just having that like higher frequent, more frequent touch. Um, but ultimately, like I, I kind of like see myself as like a, you know, on the on the front lines of this change because it's something where, you know, there's, there's not a lot of uh, guidance out there. Like you have to invest in the guidance. You have to be bold enough to put yourself out there. Um, And then you've got the other component where you've got some, (laughs) I'm just going to call them insta clowns or like some gurus who think that they know what they're doing, but they're ultimately like harming patients or they're just out there to sell their garbage, you know, like trash supplements and things like that that really don't actually help improve, you know, the quality of life. And I feel like that's definitely kind of a uh, an issue right now is because you kind of have to vet people. Like, does this person actually know what they're talking about?
1: I think that uh, what you're saying exactly, you're hitting the nail on the head here. You know, mentorship is a big deal. Uh, and, and, you know, you're not only people think, well, you're only coaching people how to eat, how to exercise. Not at all. I think that you're a coach, a co-parent sometimes, a sibling, a mental uh, or spiritual guide uh, you have so many hats that you wear as a, as a health coach that it's not just well okay eat this and exercise doing these many reps and these many weights it's so much more that you give and offer uh, like i said there's so much mental health out there including myself i mean i've suffered from anxiety for many years and you know you need to get that total encompassing uh, of health, which I think that you help provide outside of what I could give in a 15-minute appointment during a, in a hospital stay while you're there for three or four days for pneumonia, which is even worse because I'm not going to worry about uh, you know your, your lifestyle at home as much as giving the right antibiotics and the right treatment for you for that pneumonia. So I think that you are critical in the outpatient or outside aspect uh, of their health.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about it before we hopped on today and I was like, I kind of like see the, those of us who are in it for really like the comprehensive care piece, like, yeah, I provide, you know, training recommendations. Yeah, I provide nutritional guidance. But like, ultimately, the reason why my business is set up as an integrative care, health and wellness coaching industry, or business, I should say, is because I do look at that 360 degree approach. You know, I look at their meds. I look at their medical history. I'm providing them guidance on labs, you know, making recommendations for being an advocate. Um, and just like you said, like the kid gets sick and you don't get your training in for the week or you don't get to the grocery store. Like these life events happen and we have to be able to help them pivot. And I kind of see myself as like a guide. Okay, so you couldn't get this done this week. What's the plan for next week?
1: Yeah, you're you are uh, you're the Sherpa of uh, of health coaching, as I like to say, you're trying to get people to Everest and you do, you know, sometimes you can't take the direct path, but you get them to the mountain.
0: I love it, the Sherpa, I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, This is just kind of a a final kind of a wrap-up question, but if you could choose two main takeaways for the audience, if they heard nothing else from today, what would you want them to make sure that they remembered or were key elements of what we talked about?
1: The main thing I think is self-care. No one is going to tell you when it's time for you to get your health in order. And I can be a complete advocate for that as I've gone through it. I probably wouldn't be here, like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, if it wasn't for some of my lifestyle changes, Though I wasn't perfect at it. You know, I didn't eat uh, the perfect meals every day, but I knew that I had to get there. Uh, so I think self-care and promoting yourself and being your own self uh, guide Uh, And and just having the motivation to get started on this journey, I think that's very important to say, hey, today is the day I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to look back. Probably the next thing I would say is probably uh, make sure that you don't take it into your own hands. Seek help, like yourself, like healthcare professionals uh, for your medical, uh, for your mental health. See that doctor uh, or physician regularly. Check in with your health coach regularly in order to receive that motivation and that little push and drive. Uh, make sure that you're getting the preventative health you need from your physician or your primary care doctor in order to prevent some of these things that will be roadblocks in order for you to have that great quality of life. So I think those are two things that maybe uh, will help people on their journey uh, as I did and I'm still on every day. It's, it's a struggle and it's, it's, but it's a fun struggle. I tell people all the time. You know, it's not, it's it's a fun, it's a fun struggle to change your life. And really it's, it's changed mine. I'm, I'm less anxious. I'm much healthier. Uh, you know, I couldn't ask for much more. And I think it's that mental change that I said, okay, that's it. I'm not going to feel the way I do anymore.
0: I, I love that. Like we didn't even rehearse that. Like that, <laughs> that was just right off of the cuff. Um, I also had that happen for me. Like I, I couldn't even tell you like the day I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the day or the time that I made the mental switch. It was like I just looked back, and I realized that at some point I did.
1: And and the rewards come. I don't you know, know if it was
0: like that for you.
1: Yeah, it was, absolutely. It was just a day. It's a trifecta, actually. I had a patient, a young patient, that suffered a pretty bad heart attack, younger than me at that time. And I just looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, I can't do this every day anymore. Did did I stumble? Of course. Did I take steps back? Of course I did. But I think that, you know, it's all about um, just being a better person overall. It just makes you, you know, that motivation to change yourself. Um, It just, it, it not only improves your health, but also your mental health, your happiness with your family, with your friends. It's just a beautiful thing when you really get to it. I mean, we all do it. You know, the first motivation that everybody thinks of is, well, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, I have lost weight. I've lost, you know, I've gone down six to seven sizes on my pants and I feel great. And my shirts are huge. I've got to go and buy a brand new wardrobe for work. It's great. But at the end of the day, it's not just your weight because looks are only 5% of the journey here. It's it's a lot of it is how you feel. And if you feel good, then everything else is just going to fall into place.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like a boiling pot of water. If you just stand there and you're sitting there watching it, it's going to take forever. You know, you got to figure out like, what are those, like, I call them like subjective progress markers and it's subjective for a reason. Like I can see those things and I can tell you that I'm noticing changes, but ultimately you have to start recognizing and seeing them for yourself. And that's when it really starts to build. The momentum starts to be created and eventually the scale comes down you know, the clothes are fitting looser, you look different in the mirror, but if you're just so focused on that, you're, you're going to lose motivation really quickly.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a dead end, really. Uh, you, you're going to lose the weight, but you're not going to keep it off or you're not going to be happy all, you know, all around.
0: Yeah. You won't enjoy the process.
1: <laughs> correct. Correct.
0: correct. Exactly. Well, Hey, I, I really appreciate your time. I think there's so many valuable nuggets that uh, we went through today and uh, I'm really glad that you were able to come on and share all of your expertise and uh, really just provide a little bit different perspective than, you know, what I could provide. So.
1: Well, thank you for, again, thank you for the invitation. I really enjoyed it and I've uh, been looking forward to it to kind of share my input on some of the things that you're providing to, uh, you know, our great patients and our great populations. Thank you.
0: All right, guys. Well, that wraps up episode seven, my interview with Dr. Ariel Fernandez, disassembling the healthcare and coaching industry silos, improving your health made easy. So I hope that you got a ton of value out of this one and that it allows you to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.